Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. with you again um, here today with uh, my good friend, uh, colleague, and boss. I'm going to call you boss, uh, Brother Jim Edwards. Great to be here with you, Brother Swinson. Thank you. Of course. It's good to have you. Um, we've had you on before, and, and you've shared a little bit with your family. Um, just as we start today, you've got some kind of exciting things going on in your family right now, and maybe you just want to share since you've been on last one. Yeah, time. thank you. We are so excited. To, uh, we've been empty nesters for a month and a half, and it's mm-hmm. been great. <laughs> Uh, short-lived, though, we have our uh, our youngest daughter's coming home from some uh, military training in the National Guard Army. She's finishing up this coming week, and so we're excited to welcome her back into our lives. And, and shortly after that, our uh, other daughter that's in Berlin on a mission will be returning home at the end of June. So that's right. just that's excited right. to have some kids back in our homes. It's yeah. been a little quiet and empty. That's right. And you had one get married. Yes, yeah, back in December. Time. So uh, yeah. just lots of fun, big changes. Yeah. And uh, my first grandchild's on the way with That's our right. oldest daughter. That's right. My wife was telling me that the other day. Yes. That's exciting. Yep. And how far out is that? So April, middle of April, sometime okay. around there, we'll have a, a first grandchild. will be a little grandson. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, congratulations on that and all the things that are going on in your family. We're blessed to have you. And for those of you that are out there uh, in the far-flung reaches of the world, um, to, to know Brother Jim Edwards is uh, a blessing in my life, to, to have uh, such a a talented teacher and a gifted uh, leader. Uh, he serves as a stake president in his own ward and, and his own stake, and uh, just so such a such a blessing in leadership and, and a mentor of mine in a lot of ways. So grateful to have you with us today, and excited to be with you. Thank you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter eleven and twelve, and Luke chapter eleven. Uh, though before we started, we talked a little bit about what's where, and uh, it sounds like mostly we'll stay in Matthew eleven and twelve, with a little bit maybe in. Luke 11, just to, yeah. to flesh some things out that are, that are touched on in Matthew. But yeah, there's a couple of unique things in Luke 11 that I think are worth taking a look at. Okay. But yep, I think we'll okay. spend most of our time in 11 and 12 here in Matthew. Okay, so uh, take us in. Where, where should we start? Well, let's just start right at the beginning of Matthew 11. Okay. Um, you might recall that uh, John the Baptist had been put in prison. Right. And he's still there. And so we have kind of a puzzling beginning here where it says, verse 2, John had heard in the prison the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Hmm. It almost makes it sound like John the Baptist is having some second thoughts about what his mission was. (laughs) Who is that? (laughs) And uh, we know that there's a close relationship, and that months before this this verse, uh, he had preached to a large crowd that he was uh, baptizing that there's one greater than he whose shoe, shoes he's not even worthy to, to latch. latch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's been clearly uh, testified of, and he knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he was a witness of Jesus Christ even in the womb. That's he right. was leaping. He yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's, there's not really any question as to if John's wondering here. 
the Institute Manual has a helpful reference there that helps us understand that this was most likely for the benefit of those two disciples. It seems that John the Baptist's larger problem was trying to get those that had been converted to him, mm -hmm. even though he was pointing them to the Messiah, sure. they were still kind of wanting to be his followers. Right. And, and so part of his challenge was helping them make that shift to the Messiah, yeah. which was his mission. What an, and what a, what a wonderful uh, message, I think, for those of us that are teachers in the world, in the church, in any capacity, that we want so badly to be an engaging teacher, we want so badly to be helpful to our students, um, and to have them be comfortable coming to us with questions and problems, but that we don't point them to ourselves, but point them yeah. through us to the Savior should, should always be our, our objective. And, and I think that uh, it's a challenge sometimes, I think, for, for those of us that teach, and those I think even a Sunday school teacher, a primary teacher, right? Yeah. Uh, keep that keep that thought in mind. That yeah, someone once said to seminary institute teachers, "This is the one of the pitfalls to our profession, mm -hmm. that we would be tempted to set ourselves as a light yeah. instead of pointing them to Christ." Yeah. So yeah, right, love that. Well, in Jesus's answer to those two disciples that uh, were sent by John, he says in uh, in in verse four, Jesus answered and said unto them, "Go and show John those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight." and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Mm. Now, I love what the Savior's teaching here, and I think that would have been to a student of the Old Testament, which many of these followers of John the Baptist and later Jesus Christ, they were students of the Old Testament. Mm. They would have been familiar with that that prophecy by Isaiah that this is what the Messiah is going to do. Yeah. In fact, a great cross-reference that might be helpful here is in Luke 4, the opening lines of Jesus' ministry when he first began his ministry at the synagogue there in, in Capernaum. All right. he, uh, in the, he opened up the book of Isaiah, and this is Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And look at the language of what Jesus said there in Matthew 11, 4 and 5. Hmm. And, and compare that with Luke 4, starting in verse 18. Uh, in fact, we'll just read verse 18. So this is out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Yeah. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, mm. to set at liberty them that are bruised. Mm. That's his mission. That's how he began his ministry. And, and so I love Isaiah's prophecy being fulfilled right here in the Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, yes, this is the Messiah yeah. that Isaiah prophesied about. Well, and just, to, just anecdotally, what happens after he gets done reading that uh, is he, verse 20 in Luke chapter 4, he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And uh, he he's said something that's pretty direct, pretty bold. I am uh, the I am, effectively, right? And, yeah. and, uh, and everybody's just looking at him like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You crossed a big line there. You, you can hold that line, and he did. Yeah, so right. That, so that's cool that that's the thing he, he teaches those that come from John. It's the same thing. And you think about what that means. And again, for our young adults that are listening to this podcast, his mission isn't to condemn. His mission isn't to criticize or to punish. In fact, I've circled some words here in Luke 4.18, to heal. I circled the word deliverance. I circled the word recovering. I circled the words set at liberty. That's his mission. 
And if we understand the Savior to be anything else but that compassionate, healing, delivering, uh, freeing Christ, then we're missing the whole point of His ministry. Yeah, we, we maybe sometimes see the, the counsel and instruction to be obedient to commands and to instructions as um, chains. We see them as, as chains and not wings that help us learn to, to fly a little higher and to, to live a little better. Uh, verse 6 of back to Matthew chapter 11 says, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Mm. All the things that he had just said, that uh, verse 5, that he's there to, to uh, that the blind might receive their sight, the lame will walk, the lepers are cleansed, deaf hear. There's nothing in here that would be offensive, <laughs> right? And yet there were so many offended uh, because he was teaching them to live a little higher, a little, yeah. a little holier. In fact, we'll see examples of that in, in today's podcast, yeah. in the rest of these chapters, where yeah. just like the proclamation says that Jesus Christ, or the Living Christ document, Jesus Christ went about doing good, yeah. but was despised for it. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think as a, as a person that uh, lives the gospel, I think sometimes we have a tendency to, to just be offended by it. And why am I having, why am I have to do it this way? Right? All these rules, and, and uh, I think there's a, a blessing to, to be had to look at it joyfully. I think you're a great example of that. Just you, you're tasked with so many things, and, and yet you uh, always have a smile, and you're always just happy to go go to work. Oh, well, thank you. I surround myself with great men and women <laughs> like you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Okay, so take us back in. Back yeah. to chapter 11. Should we stay yeah, there? so, and maybe we don't need to, to read too much here. Uh, what he exclaims next is, is about his cousin John the Baptist. Right. That uh, he is more than a prophet. That's verse 9. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. Verse 10, he quotes Malachi, where Malachi prophesies that, that a messenger would be sent before his face, mm-hmm. which would prepare the way before him. Verse 14 talks about John the Baptist. This is Elias. Elias is a title given here in this case of someone that's a forerunner or someone that prepares the way. So what could be more important than somebody preparing the way for the Messiah to to fulfill his mission and to point people to the Savior Jesus Christ? And so verse 11, I think, is is a worthy tribute of of his cousin John the Baptist. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater prophet yeah. than John the Baptist. That's, that's pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and you consider, okay, what kind of prophets are we comparing this with? All of them, yeah. All Isaiah. The Old Testament. Uh, yes, all the way back Moses to uh, Noah. Moses, yes. And Abraham, the father wow. of the covenant. Wow. Noah, the, 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 the one who uh, saved the human race and, and can, can preserve that covenant yeah. of the Lord. And isn't it interesting that we have so little about him? We know we lived yeah. out in the, in the wilderness. He ate crickets and he wore... You know, camel's hair and whatnot, but but uh, but maybe fittingly, the the scriptures focus on the Savior. Yeah. Even though this great prophet had come, even just years. I mean, he'd he'd come out maybe a little earlier than Christ had, but was about the same age. They were in the womb yeah. together, right? Yeah. And so, it, at the exact same time, this wonderful prophet was walking the earth. We almost know nothing about him because he's so overshadowed by the Savior himself. Yeah. Which cool. would be his preference. In fact, I love his teachings in other places that the Savior must increase and I must decrease. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's really what he's teaching these disciples yeah. that come, huh? That's so it. Go see for yourself. That's right. Love it. Love it. Well, we, we, uh, we then get into this interesting series of uh, woes, yeah. uh, chewing out, <laughs> yeah. where he begins to upbraid some of the cities where he had done a lot of these miracles and yet very few repented. 
and, uh, and and so verse 21 and 22 are probably worth worth mentioning. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Mm. Now those two, those first couple of cities mentioned there, those are towns in Galilee. These are Israelites. This mm. is covenant Israel. Mm. And the uh, Tyre and Sidon, those are Phoenician towns, mm. or in other words, those not of, of the church, those the that covenant. were not of the covenant. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, and so there's the condemnation again that just because you have covenant people, that in spite of the miracles that were there, they still didn't repent. Mm. And so, the, the, this, remember the good old days of Scripture Mastery? Mm -hmm. uh, there was mm -hmm. one that we learned uh, growing up, and I don't think it's a Doctrine Mastery passage anymore, but Doctrine and Covenants 82.3 kind of applies here. Uh, For unto whom much is given, much is required, and he mm -hmm. who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation. Verse yeah. 22 says here, Behold, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Mm. They were taught the gospel. They had the covenants. They, the, the Lord had rescued them and, and blessed them with incredible blessings for generations. And yet they still hardened their hearts and turned away from the Lord. Mm. And, uh, and so just that idea, I, I remember having to navigate through this as a, as a youth, as a young child, believing that the church that I belonged to was Jesus' church. Mm. I think I had to navigate through that, that maybe all of us have to, that, well, I'm part of his true church, therefore this church must be better than every other church sure. out there, and therefore, as a member of that church, I might be better than other people. Right. And yeah. I just, By default. Yes. You come that way. <laughs> right. And, and uh, we don't silly. smoke, and there's people out there that do, and I remember as a little kid saying, holy cow, why is that person smoking? Yeah. And and so you kind of have to navigate through this. Like, what is? What are the implications of this? And yeah. and uh, and I've gotten to the point where uh, instead of thinking that I'm better because I know the truth and maybe are living the best I can some of these commandments, and, and I've come to the point where I realized, you know, I think I might be worse right. than someone of the faith yeah. <laughs> because I do know the truth, and yet I'm still not perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you and I have an opportunity to rub elbows with some of the other faith leaders on campus here at Boise State who are just fantastic people and doing such good things uh, on campus to help uh, those that uh, are of their faiths um, follow the Savior and find the Savior and be gathered in and all the things that our prophet's telling us to be doing and they're doing it without a prophet. They're yeah. doing it without the, a full understanding of the things we have and the yeah. things we understand and, and uh, they might say the same about us, right? But 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 really that 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 men and women of today's world yeah. uh, can live good lives without all the knowledge we have man that speaks highly of who those people are and maybe condemns us a little bit to the knowledge that we have and are we living up to it do we yeah. do we hold to the the line that we know or do we live below it cuz i have it and i could live it if i wanted to but i just it's hard and i don't want to do that <laughs> I, I, yeah, I marvel, too, at the goodness of people around us. It's been fun to have our interfaith kind of uh, outreach that we've been doing as an institute and yeah. working with some of the uh, other religious organizations on campus. And I'm, I am humbled at the goodness of these men and women yeah. of other faiths that, that love the Savior Jesus Christ. We don't have a corner market on the love of God. No. Definitely and not. devotion to him, and it's just it's inspiring to see that in others. And, and I might even go so far as to say, in in some ways, um, perhaps those other faiths live 
certain aspects of the gospel better yeah. because they don't have so many aspects of the gospel to fall back on yeah. that things like grace and mercy, yeah. they just have dove headlong into and understand it so much better than we do um, in a lot of cases and, and uh, live it uh, in a different way, have so much more faith in the Savior's ability to heal and our inability to earn it and all the yeah. things that we sometimes erroneously think. and So sometimes I think maybe they even get it a little better. In fact, that's a great segue to the end of this chapter. I I think we can really get discouraged as members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Sometimes sometimes we feel like we don't measure up. Mm. And and we see the encouragement to to be like the Savior, and we can become like Him, but we compare ourselves to that potential, and we're left feeling discouraged, exhausted, and overwhelmed, and inadequate. And so these are common feelings that that many of us feel. And... uh, and sometimes it's to our own fault from mistakes that we've made. Sometimes it's through the, the, the unfortunate choices of others that we're subjected to. Yeah. And other times it's just the, the ways of living mortality. Right. And uh, we have trials and tough things that come, out, uh, uh, come upon us. But I love the encouragement. Uh, to me, this is a highlight of, of these two chapters, uh, verses 28, 29, and 30. Look at the Savior's invitation. Again, His mission as a healer. Uh, is is seen in his invitation. Verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that invitation. And I, I would hope that that Elder, Elder uh, Rasband uh, spoke in 2019 to religious educators. Uh, and, and among the other things that he shared that were really helpful, he says it's good for us to help our students get protection scriptures, mm-hmm. that when they're in trouble, when they're in turmoil, when they're in the midst of a trial that's overwhelming them, go to your protection scripture. Find a scripture that you can go in those times of peril mm-hmm. And, and, and just recite or read and, and get the comfort and strength that comes at a time like this. And to me, this would be a, a protection scripture, 28 and 29, that, that our young adults could go to in their times of trouble. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I might ask you to teach us a little bit more about the word yoke. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we, we hear that and we think of phrases like, be therefore perfect and his life and be Christ-like and all those types of phrases that invite us to become like him. And uh, I wonder if rather than taking his yoke upon us with him attached to the other side, we think this means just pick his yoke up by ourselves and run with it and be perfect on our own. And and it becomes this big, giant burden that, that only he could have lifted to begin with. And yet you and I sometimes try to do that. So teach me about yoke. How 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 should I view that? How should I how should I see that invitation? Yeah, thank you. Great question. So anciently, and even even more modernly, uh, yokes are uh, a wooden structure that was was designed to to place two animals' heads inside of it. Sure. So it's very rare that you find uh, animals of equal strength. If you put two, two people together, there's always going to be someone that can win an arm wrestling match, right? right? right yeah. Same thing in a, in, in a yoke of oxen. And so what it does is it helps you to, to draw on the strength of the stronger animal 
so that you can pull the sled or the uh, or the the plow or whatever it is that's behind it um, in a in a way that's that's helpful. And so yes, we're linking, and he's inviting us to be yoked with him mm-hmm. in that burden yeah. and and uh, draw on his strength. And and so. One of the things I love about the Come Follow Me curriculum, there's a statement by Elder Bednar in here that I think helps us understand, well, how do I, how do I yoke up with the Savior? Take my yoke upon you. How do I do that? What does that even look like? Elder Bednar says, making and keeping sacred covenants yokes us to and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And so how do we do that? We make covenants with God. Mm. We make covenants with the Lord, baptismal covenants, uh, priesthood covenants, temple covenants. And that allows us to then draw on his strength yeah. in, in, in those times of our weakness and, and strugglings. It reminds me of this last, just this recently was in attendance at the YSA State Conference uh, in Boise. And uh, Elder Griffin uh, of, uh, from, out from Colorado of the 70 um, came and visited. And he, he talked about how um, President Nelson has given 109 talks in General Conference since he's been an apostle. And in 103 of them, he's spoken of obtaining the power of Christ in some form or fashion um, and, and becoming more powerful in our own abilities because of the Savior's ability. Um, I just I heard that and thought, man, that's a, that's a message from the prophet that he's inviting us to, to do, right? Whether it's hearing his voice, how do we hear him? Whether it's um, letting him lead, um, all, the, all of the things. You can, you can see his prophetic message yeah. being... Take the yoke yeah. and, and take it up with him. It, I, I'm reminded of a documentary I saw one time about oxen and how um, they were interviewing a, a, a trainer of oxen. This guy that was goes around and just trains people's oxen to do what they do. And, and he said, the strongest ox in the, in the pair will wait for the weaker ox to move and then he will do his thing, but he'll wait, and, it, and he picks up on it within like a tenth of a second. He knows that that ox is moving, and so the stronger ox will go. But he waits for that weaker ox to be ready to move so that he doesn't wear him out. He doesn't kill the, the weaker ox. And man, isn't that the Savior? He waits for us to show that. a little bit of inclination to move, yeah. and then he's, he's on it with us. A tenth wow. of a second, he's in. That's fantastic. Right? In fact, so what is that? I, I think it, this is a very active invitation, right? Yeah. Come implies don't just stay where you're at do, right. do something different right yeah. come unto me right and so i thought about what is it how do we come unto christ what does that look like so we've already identified mm. taking the yoke right. we got to come unto him and put on that yoke that right. he wears yes. through covenants right. make covenants with him i think about come unto me well where are we going to find him uh, every sunday yeah. i have the opportunity to renew baptismal covenants, and uh, and and up there on the sacrament table is our emblems of the Savior Jesus Christ, yeah. where we have emblems representing His body and His blood mm-hmm. that was shed for us. Mm-hmm. And so, as I one of the one of the best ways that we can come unto Him is by daily joyful repentance, and then partaking of the sacrament, renewing that covenant right. with Him. Yeah. Um, so I love that idea. I, I, the other part I, I love here is. Uh, if you want to go hang out with somebody, you typically go to their house. Mm-hmm. You can usually find them at their house. So where will we find Jesus Christ? At his house. Right. I remember when I had little children, every time we'd go by a temple, I would always say, hey kids, 
There's Jesus' house. Can you believe that? That's his house right there. And in their little innocent minds, I knew exactly what they're imagining. Yeah. They're imagining him inside, right. sitting down to dinner or something, yeah. that Jesus is literally living there. Yeah. And then as we get older, maybe we forget that powerful imagery that right. we might have had as children. That that, But it's still it's every bit as true as a child imagined it. Yeah. That he is literally there. It's his house. And if he's going to go anywhere or appear anywhere, it's going to be in his house. Well, and isn't that where we go to be a... a, a to be endowed with power too, right? To be yoked yeah. with him even more. Um, and it, it, just a thought occurred to me as, as we've been talking about this. I, I, for a moment, got a little bit sad about Christ thinking, well, who's he yoked to? He's got to do it all on his own. And, and then I looked at the verse right before this. Listen to what he says. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal Him. You know, it, it, maybe there's a, maybe this is a good representation of Christ separating Himself from yeah. the Father. You know, we, we talk so frequently about uh, the Godhead and, and clarifying the Trinity concept that, uh, that the Christian world has adopted. And, and this is, uh, to me, one of those places where He's de de delineating the difference between Him and the Father, that He receives everything from the Father to go do. Well, isn't that Him being yoked to the Father? He was perfectly yoked yeah. to the Father. I'm trying to be like Jesus, which in effect, he was trying to be like his Father. Yeah. And by uh, by association, I then am becoming like my Father in heaven too. Wow. Right. In fact, one of the most painful parts of his mortal ministry is when he suffered the atonement and his Father had to let him do that alone. alone. Yeah. And uh, why hast thou forsaken me? Right. That he was with his Father. And, and we can have that same experience as we keep our covenants. Yeah. We can have that same strength from the Savior Jesus Christ who will always be with us. Yeah, and isn't it cool that, that while the Father had to step away for that experience and the Savior had to do that on His own, that is not true about you and I in any experience we go through. There is never a time where the Savior will be like, you have to handle this one on your own and I will step aside and let you deal with it. We might feel like that. We might not feel like He's there carrying us the whole time. Um, but he is, he's, he's aware and, and very much more present than we maybe even recognize. I love that. One last thought maybe on yeah. this powerful protection scripture is in verse 29. Again, the active part, our little part of movement before the Lord puts into force his movement, right? Mm -hmm. Is uh, not just coming unto him and taking on our, his yoke, but also learning of me. It's an invitation to learn of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, there seems to be a... Yeah an overabundance of miracles in the Savior's ministry. And I, and I pondered, why all these miracles? I mean, yes, there's teachings, and yes, there's doctrine, sure. and yes, there's going to be the atonement, the most significant thing that'll ever, that He will ever do that makes everything possible. But why all the miracles? And I think, as I pondered that, I, I can't help but think that the Savior is doing everything He can to help us understand that just as I cleansed the, the leper, mm -hmm. just as I let the lame man walk, just as I blessed the, the blind man to be able to see, I can cleanse you of your sins. Yeah. You can live again with your family. You can overcome the challenges and the discouragement and the despair that you experience. Mm. And so I, I love that the more we learn of our Savior Jesus Christ and of His miracles, I think the more our faith in Him increases mm. to lay hold of those miracles in our own lives. Yeah, well said. It and isn't that exactly what he says when he raises the uh, paralytic man? 
Hmm. Um, he says, uh, that you might know that I yeah. can forgive sin and honor to, to, and can have the power to uh, forgive sin. I will heal him secondarily. Right? First thing matters to me is that he's sinless. But that second, that I can heal him so that you can see that I have this power. That's the whole reason maybe for all of them is, is to help him show us that he is that that person with that much power that we could be yoked to. I love that. Thank you. That's great. That. Yeah. Okay, so that generally takes us through 11 in Matthew. What what about uh, into 12? Is there yeah, let's, in there? let's jump into to Matthew chapter 12. Here we have a couple of examples of some Sabbath day kinds of situations mm-hmm. again where Jesus went about doing good but was despised for it. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, I... I one of the maybe principles that, that I think the the uh, come follow me uh, material does point out is is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes they had made the gospel of Jesus Christ a burden. They had made living the gospel, they had made religion a burden, and uh, and we learn in the come follow me material that the, the purpose of true religion, the true purpose of any religion is not to make it burdensome, but to bless and to heal and make make life better. And so here we have a couple of examples. Here we have uh, in verse 1, Jesus and his disciples on the Sabbath day going through a field, and they're hungry, and so they're they're eating the, it's a translation uh, correction here, the grain. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pharisees see it and criticize them. Hey, it's not lawful to do that on the the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. accusing them of harvesting or working that day. Uh, And then right after that, uh, verse 9, he leaves that place and goes into their synagogue. And this is the Sabbath day still, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a man which had his hand withered, verse 10. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. <laughs> and so here they are trying to trick him. And says, Well, what man of you among you that shall have one sheep, if he fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Mm-hmm. Wherefore, and here's the truth, the doctrine it is lawful to do well on sabbath days so what an awesome part of his mission is to help us understand the true purpose of religion yeah. it's to it's to it's to do well it's to become uh, healed it's to become more like our savior hmm. it's to bless others hmm. it, it's powerful and, and i think similar to what president nelson might say about getting rid of the lists yeah um and just identifying what sign am I showing? Is this a sign I want to show Heavenly Father on the Sabbath? I wonder if we were to maybe take that just a step farther and say, is this doing well on the Sabbath? Yeah. Right? If that's the Savior's definition of something that should be done on the Sabbath, is it well? Is it a good thing? You know, in, in, in a lot of homes, in my home, and that we, we often talk about the TV and how the TV shouldn't be on. And we have all these things. We've come up with a list of things, right? And TV's on it. And, and uh, last night I got home late from, uh, the, today's a Monday, so last night was Sunday, and I got home late from uh, a state conference that I was in, responsibilities there, and, and uh, <laughs> I walked in and my family's all laying on, their, on, on my bed all over my room, and they're watching a show with their mother, and a, a good, wholesome show uh, on a Sunday afternoon, and, and it was so good for to see my kids all together, every single one of them, and and watching together, and, and mom sharing a classic movie that she loves with them, and and uh, the thought occurred to me: how how often do we harp on the TV as a bad thing on the Sabbath? But really, maybe just what we're watching is yeah. maybe not the good thing. The, yeah. the thing that could be done well, we've chosen to just be lazy about, and uh, 
and not have purpose behind what we're doing on the Sabbath. And yeah. Maybe that's really his message is purpose. That's right? a good indicator. I like that. Uh, yeah. Am I doing well? Is this activity doing well? Is it doing well for others? Yeah. In fact, I've come to understand, and I, in, the, in Isaiah, I think 58 clarifies a little bit too on the Sabbath day, that the Sabbath day has the same mission as the Savior Jesus Christ. Mm. If you, In fact, look at uh, Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7. And, and we go back to Jesus' uh, opening lines of his ministry in Luke 4 and compare these words as well. Uh, and and, and in, in the beginning of Isaiah 58, it's talking about fasting, which, of course, would have happened on the Sabbath day. So by extension, we can see that where it says fasting, we can apply this principle to sure. Sabbath days as well. Tell me what verse again. This Isaiah. is Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Okay. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, or is this not an appropriate Sabbath day? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, that thou seest the naked, that thou coverest him? And, and so I love just this, this purpose of the Sabbath day. It's the same purpose of Jesus Christ. It's to heal, it's to lift, it's to deliver. Yeah. And, uh, and so I love that. And look at the promises that come if we, if we do that. Verse 13 and 14. Here's a great if-then statement. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. This is not just something that you have to endure. Right. This should be the best day of the week. Right, yeah. uh, in, in fact, I remember as a college student, I came to call the Sabbath a delight. Mm. And I never had that in my life before. It was the one day that I didn't have to, to write a paper. Mm -hmm. It was the one day that I didn't have to spend time in the library doing research. Mm -hmm. It was the one day that I didn't have to read uh, a ton of reading material yeah. in preparation. It was the one day I didn't have to study for a test. I was free from all that. And it was a, it was a yeah. delight, a total well, delight. And, and, and Jim's humble. He, he wouldn't share maybe that he played college ball and was, was a... Uh, heavy hitter on the BYU football team during his college years, and those practices and that schedule, man, that had been heavy. Yeah. And uh, to have uh, to have the the Sabbath be a day, and and gratefully probably at BYU, maybe more than other schools, you yeah. get Sabbath day. Fortunately, you're, we you're uh, not watching tape Sunday. Right, that's Monday. right. Yeah, we were fortunate that way. Yeah, what what a blessing though. Oh, thank you. I, I love. Can I can I just back up? There's <laughs> yeah, probably please. more you have to share there, but verse six. Um, the order that he gives, loose the bands of wickedness. Well, isn't that the sacrament? Yeah. We partake of the sacrament, and I'm, I'm loosed again. Undo the heavy burdens. I, I am released from all my weekly tasks mm. and activities. I I can do, well, now, maybe depending on your calling, right? You're, <laughs> you maybe still are a little little uh, burdened down, but to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And then in, in verse 7, Deal the bread to the hungry, and you touched on how earlier on he talked about the, the fast offering and the fast things that that maybe we had done, and this is just a couple of verses before. Um, you know, as a state president, you maybe have a, a unique ex uh, avenue or or perspective on um, the the fast and how the fast offering um, is uh, used, utilized in your stake. Uh, maybe you could teach us just briefly about how that works and. And is, does that money ever run out? And is there, how's a bishop counseled to, to spend funds? And what, what does fast offering even go to? I think maybe that's a question out there somewhat. Yeah, sometimes. thank you. Oh, that's a great question. Um, fortunately, we have the chance to have regular interviews with the bishop 
every other month we meet for an hour and a half. Sure. And part of our discussion is to talk about uh, just principles of, of the fast and, and helping those that are in need and, and to make sure that it's done appropriately. And uh, it's just, I'll tell you, one of the most humbling things for me to see, I get a report each month and, and, and I'm blown away at, at the, the generosity of just the members in my stake. And our stake is only one of 3,500 stakes in the world. Right. That we literally have, well, I probably shouldn't say, but uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars at, at the end of a year mm. in tithing and fast offerings. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just inspiring to see the, the saints sacrifice. Mm. What's even more inspiring is to see the blessings of the widows or the single moms, or in some cases, the single dads that are trying to make ends meet, and they, they, they have a health setback, or they have some kind of financial setback from a, a job loss or some other difficult thing. And to have the bishops be able to say, don't worry, we've got you covered. Mm -hmm. We have members of the church that have sacrificed, and in some cases, it is the widow's might. They're literally sacrificing to uh, to make this possible for others to mm. to have their needs met. It's been just inspiring to see that. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's a blessing I know for not only members of the church but non-members that live within our area. I know can can access some of those assistance. And and really, isn't that what the Savior's teaching us here? Yeah. That the Sabbath being a day for fasting, uh, a fast is a is a I don't know amplified prayer. Maybe we we call it that or claim it as that but but without the the added strength of the fast offering i wonder if sometimes our fast is a little less than it could be yeah um, because of how 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 we humble ourselves to reach out to others and maybe in an inadvertent way through our bishop and through priesthood leaders in a private way um, they're blessed through our our sacrifice there but but we know that the lord then blesses us on the other side right because we've made those efforts so yeah yeah, I love that. Yeah, it, really, I've come to know that this. I've come to learn that the Sabbath is really a symbol of Jesus Christ Himself. It's the same mission: yeah. to heal, to deliver, and to to set free. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Take us back, Matthew. We're in twelve. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So that just the Sabbath day that it's it, it is lawful for men to do good and and hopefully and but look at the result of that counsel. Verse fourteen, they held on to their traditions and how many steps you could walk and. Mm all those things so tightly that when that was challenged, we're back in uh, Matthew 12, 14, then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him. Wow. This is kind of some of the beginning of those plottings where they were looking for ways to literally kill him. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You Jesus see... went about doing good and was despised for it. Well, yeah, and you could see him healing and forgiving and yeah. kindly just being, and yet they still have such animosity towards him. Yeah. Because it was an affront to their occupation, to their living, to their lifestyle, to all that they had known. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, and, and it continues, unfortunately. I wish, I wish the rest of this chapter got better. But verse 22, someone was brought to him that was possessed of a devil, also blind and dumb. And he healed him, and I think maybe them is implied here, insomuch the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Mm -hmm. So the people, his disciples were amazed and, and, and recognized verse 23 is not this, the son of David. Mm -hmm. This is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Just like Isaiah prophesied, he would come and heal. We see evidence right before our eyes. But the Pharisees, what was their take on it? Verse 24, mm -hmm. 
they claim that he cast out this devil by the power of the devil. (laughs) And then comes that powerful teaching, verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and he said this to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided itself shall not stand. Mm. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Mm. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And there's his testimony of his mission, right? Or else, how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? And then here's that teaching that's that's kind of the punchline of this whole thing. And, And you think about it. So he's trying to establish the kingdom of God on the earth, right? His church, he's organizing his church. And, uh, and as he's setting this up, his greatest allies should have been the leaders yeah. of the religious community in his day. Yeah. And yet they are his greatest enemies. And, and so verse 30, this was a direct message to them. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Mm. Talk about a house divided against itself. Wow, right? no kidding, yeah. Well, that, that, this has just occurred to me as we read that. That the invitation to gather that we have from President Nelson is the most important thing. I wonder if, in some small way, if I'm not an active participant in the gathering, am I in some small way scattering? If people don't recognize me as a light to yeah. the Savior, to draw him, to draw them to him, am I in some small way helping people fall farther and farther away? And if you were a light and now you're not, yeah. what influence does that have on others in their Right. Discipleship and their strivings to yeah. be like the Savior. It's a good, it's a great question. Yeah, and not not that there's a ton there, but but I do think that that uh, you know out in the world we we get going in our occupations and in our our careers and all the, yeah. the things we do and and maybe the people around us knowing as knowing us as members aren't seeing that light, aren't seeing that gathering that we should be doing, and and then in some way it 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 separates them farther than maybe we could. And, and, and so maybe there's just a little bit of, a little bit of a prompting to, to go and be a little better at gathering, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, really, the rest of chapter 12 is just lots of examples of those that are divided against right. themselves. And maybe it's compared to our potential. Are we realizing that potential? And verse 33: Either make a tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. Yeah. For the tree is known by his fruit. And he calls them vipers, generation of vipers. How can ye being evil? Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Mm. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasure bringeth forth evil things. Mm. And this is where Luke 11 maybe contributes a little sure. bit to this idea as well. In Luke 11, 37 and 39, <clears throat> we, uh, we have this same kind of idea. Verse... Uh, uh, Verse 38, the Pharisees, uh, Jesus, uh, before he sat down and dined with the Pharisee, he didn't wash his hands. And, and so the Pharisees saw it. And verse 39, the Lord said unto him, Now do Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but the inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. That so just vessel. Yeah, cleanse the inward vessel. So it doesn't matter what we say or how we look or how we appear. Uh, we need to make sure that, that our intentions are pure and, and that, we're, that we're all in and building up the kingdom of God, that we're not divided against ourselves, saying yeah. one thing and yeah. doing another. In fact, the end of chapter 12 back in Matthew, 
is kind of the punchline of this whole idea. Whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. It's, it's in the doing yeah. with sincerity. We can't just go through the motions either, but it's in the doing that we realize the becoming. Well, and I, uh, I just think, I don't know, I, I think there's something significant in, connected to that. I love that, that invitation to do, right? Um, but back to 37, Matthew 12, 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You know, I think it, it doesn't say works. It says our words, the things that we've professed, the things that we've claimed to understand. But I think associated with that is verse 35. Good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. Mm -hmm. If you're speaking good things and, and you really are part of you, it's who you are, then you're going to go do those good things, yeah. right? So, so works may not be the thing we're judged based on, but really what I'm saying I'm doing, it will be. It, there's a cross-reference here that takes us to... Uh, Proverbs 18.21, it, it's just kind of an interesting little verse, says, There are many devices, oh sorry, that's the wrong one, uh, verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you love life, you speak of it, and you eat that fruit, right? The, the action of eating is a, is a consequence of the desire that you have, right? The action of living after the Savior's manner would be after you've spoken about it, after you've learned about it, and after you've professed it, you go live that, yeah. right? And and uh, I, I think that uh, is, again, like like we maybe said at the very beginning, that is not a an indication of me being saved because I've worked my way there. Yeah. But it is an indication to the Savior that I want Him to save me because I have <clears throat> produced a good work, because I have have indicated that I want to be like Him. I've lived my life in a way that I've become more like Him. And that action is this is the sign I want to show Him. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, becoming is the key here. And, uh, mm. yeah. So good. So good. Um, what else? In, yeah, in, in yeah. Maybe, maybe just a little highlight, because I know this is a point of misunderstanding from a lot of our students. Uh, at least at the seminary uh, level, especially yeah, sure. maybe before we hit the home stretch here, just there's there's a couple of verses that might be worth mentioning in 31 and 32. This is Matthew 12, mm -hmm. talking about talk about a house divided against itself. Right? We <clears throat> he's he's talking about sin, and uh, verse 31: All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Verse 32, Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. And so this idea of denying the Holy Ghost is unpardonable. And, and so we have our youth sometimes worry about that, or young adults. Maybe we have young adults that have strayed from the covenant path and and, and maybe they themselves think, well, I've already, you know, I used to be active in the church and I'm struggling and I, I'm i not going to church anymore. Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Well, I, like, like you said before, <laughs> that with the greater light has the greater condemnation. And so we start thinking, oh, no, I have had a testimony. I have yeah. felt the Holy Ghost and thus I'm going to outer darkness. Yeah. 
and, and, and I want to just make some clarification here so yeah. that if there is anyone that's wondering this, or maybe we've had family members that have strayed mm -hmm. and we're thinking, have they committed the unpardonable sin? They had a testimony. They were baptized and mm -hmm. received the gift of the Holy Ghost, right. and they've turned away from the church. And are they doomed? And, and we're talking a level of rebellion here that, uh, in fact, Joseph Smith described it this way. He says, you have got to see the sun shining, and you know it. You see it out your window. You feel it on your face, and then you declare, there's no sun. <laughs> that there, that's the level of knowledge that we're talking about here. That's the level of, re of rebellion that we're talking about here. Joseph Smith also said, someone that, that denies the Holy Ghost uh, is the same kind of person like those that put Jesus Christ to death who knew he was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. They knew it. And, and while knowing he was the Messiah, they still wanted to kill mm -hmm. him. That's the kind of level of rebellion that we're talking about here. And so don't, don't want to get people hung up too much on that idea. And it's not that they couldn't be forgiven if they were to repent. It's that, that they have rebelled so far that they would never turn their, their hearts back to the Lord. Yeah. That's the level of rebellion we're talking Maybe about. Maybe those that yeah, he would have called vipers. Right, that yeah. that uh, knew what they were doing, but they wanted to maintain their status in community or society. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, I, I don't know that, I don't know that anybody, you and I know, is even given the opportunity to know Christ that well. Uh, I think this is maybe prophets that see and know Him and learn directly from Him, and maybe this is. Uh, maybe a, a Judas that, that got to live and walk right with him, and maybe those, you know, very few that have that kind of. Mercifully, God doesn't give us. I remember as a 16-year-old. <laughs> okay, Heavenly Father, I I will follow the church. I will know that it's true. If Jesus comes to my room tonight, by the way, I wanted to know if I'd marry this girl that I was into, right? <laughs> and I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't show up to my room that night. I was not ready at all yeah. to live. I'm still not to live like I would need to live given that kind of a witness. And mercifully, he doesn't give us that because we would condemn ourselves to this kind of a fate, right? But, uh, but I think there, I think there. That's why faith and hope and yeah. all those things are there, so that I don't have to be condemned yeah. to know him like I see the sun rising, right? Great point. In fact, verse thirty-nine. I, and I think we've all been there as a little child. I'll believe if I see an angel or whatever. But we know that hasn't worked out very yeah. well in the scriptures, right? For Laman and Lemuel and others. Yeah. But verse thirty-nine. I, I think. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Isn't it interesting that that was their trump card? Verse 38, the scribes and Pharisees say, well, show us, prove it to us, give us a sign. Yeah. He says, well, an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And I thought about that. And I had a, a religion professor uh, in my young adult years that, that taught, why didn't the Lord say an adulterous generation seeks after signs? Mm -hmm. Well, you think about ad adultery, the, the awful sin that that is. Nobody on a whim just commits adultery. Sure. There's, there's ideas planted in your head. There's, there's ideas and thoughts that start to sprout. And then you look for evidence of anyone around you that maybe you might be looking at uh, to see if there's evidence that they might be having the same ideas. You're looking for signs. Mm -hmm. You're looking for evidence. You're looking for proof that, that they might want to do these things as well. Yeah. And uh, you, you say things maybe with double meaning and then see how they react to it. Sure. You're picking up on things. You're always looking for a mm. sign. Mm. So I thought that was an interesting take on that. And so, uh, in fact, I think I, I might have heard Joseph Smith, uh, a place where Joseph Smith said, as sure as, as, as anything, you can, for someone that seeks for a sign, you can tell that man that he's an adulterous man. Mm.
Interesting. At the very least, in his heart. And so, interesting. interesting. Yeah. You know, as I as you talk about that, and I think about our young adults, so many of whom listen to this podcast, I I just think, you know, at that stage of life, I was so ready for the next stage of life. I was so ready to to be done with my degree, or to be married, and and have kids, or or have my first house, or whatever it was that I was in. Um, the state, the next stage, kind of of life, and and I remember feeling like I needed a sign to show me the next thing. I wanted to see this thing, and then I do that thing, right? And it, and I felt so much like I needed to have the way just opened up for me by showing me the next sign, right? And um, and meeting her and all of the things, right? I just needed the sign to be given to me, and then I would act and. And I remember some counsel that Elder Bednar gave to uh, young adults in a face-to-face he did uh, with with some mar- some young married couples, sorry, unmarried couples, young single adults. And uh, he said, somebody had asked the question, "How do I, how do I show the Lord that I'm ready for the things that I want next?" It, and, and and effectively the concept was, "How do I not look for signs? How do I how do yeah. I just show the Lord right?" And uh, Elder Bednar's counsel was so good. And it was, live as if you already have all of the things that the Lord has blessed you with. What time would you go to bed at night if you were married with a child? Mm. What, where would you eat? How often would you eat out? Um, where would you be living? How, how, what would your room look like? I mean, he, and he just went down this list of things that all of these young adults in the room would change. Every aspect of their life would change. They would stay up till 3 in the morning and get up tired, go to work at 9. They would... They would go to bed at a reasonable hour. They would watch wholesome things together as a, as a couple and as a family. All those aspects of their life would change. And then Elder Bednar said, and that will show the Lord you're ready for the next step in your life. Wow. And I thought, what a powerful thing. Rather than looking from the Lord to show me a sign to move me in the right direction, I can move myself in the right direction and then see the power of the Lord in my life and influencing the things that I'm looking to do. Wow, what a helpful insight. I'm sure those young adults were blessed. Right? Yeah, oh, I that's was, awesome. For sure. So, yeah. Well, I hope lots of young adults are listening to that, yeah, that profound great counsel. counsel. Thank it's, you. It comes better from him than me, but. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but I can pass it along. Well, Brother Edwards, this has been fantastic. I know there's a, uh, just one more thing maybe in here that, that you wanted to touch on. We've, we've covered generally uh, pretty well Matthew 11 and 12. Um, all of this generally is also in Luke. Uh, chapter 11, but but uh, t- take us out here. What what else would you like us to know uh, that's in here that we should look at? Well, thank you. I Maybe on the home home point here, uh, <clears throat> starting in verse Matthew 12, 43, I, I, I just want to speak again to any of our young adults that that maybe feel like they've strayed, they've, they've been off the covenant path, or if we know someone that has that... Um, it's hard to make changes. It's hard to make changes in our lives. And, and there's something in, in Matthew 12 that I think has been super helpful for me in not only making changes in my, my own life, but also as I counsel with others on how to make the changes. A lot of people just don't know how. How do I change? How do I go about this? How do I really do this? And so we're going to apply probably not necessarily what, what's intended here. But I think it's a beautiful example in verse 43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, and that's after the Savior, for example, cast somebody out, or, mm-hmm. uh, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So we want to make changes in our lives. We want to cast out the bad. 
And so sometimes we, we start with, okay, I, I want to change. Maybe it was a, in our youth, we went to an EFY or a BYS mm -hmm. here locally in Boise and uh, had some awesome youth conference where we just felt motivated to change. Right. And we wanted to, to sweep our house out and get rid of all the bad. Or maybe it was an inspired a fireside that, that you went to as a youth. Or maybe our young adults are attending a, a, a fireside with their stake. And they just feel the need to change. I remember as a seminary teacher, I had a, a young man come into my office during lunch. And I said, hey, how's it going? And, and, and this young man was, was a student that had struggled. And uh, he, he uh, didn't pay attention in seminary. He put his head down if he wasn't talking to people around him and trying to distract others. Mm. He was not the ideal student. Sure. But uh, he came in, said, hey, can I talk? Absolutely. And then he just started sobbing. Mm. Sobbing like a baby. Mm. And uh, it was... It was probably a good two or three minutes before he could even get his composure. Wow. And then he just declared he, he doesn't like where his life is at right now. Mm. And he wants to change, but he doesn't know how. Mm. And I don't know what it was that hit him, what things were going on in his life that made him start to feel this moment. But I was thrilled. And uh, mm. I expressed confidence in him. And I'm so glad that you're here, I said to him. And, and uh, let's figure this out. And... and, and you don't need to tell me specifically what you're trying to overcome. Would it be helpful if I were to connect you to your bishop? And in which he said, yes, please call him. And so we called him right there and, and we got this young man connected with his bishop and he made some incredible changes. He started sweeping out his house, mm -hmm. so to speak, mm -hmm. in this parable here. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and he even went to seminary graduation because of the things that he had confessed to his bishop. He was not worthy to graduate but he still went and sat on the front row of the congregation to cheer on his fellow youth that he should have been graduating with had he uh, been worthy to do so. And, and it was just awesome to see him. He didn't care what others thought. It was just, it was amazing to see. Before I fit to tell the rest of the story, verse, verse 44, so the, the devil walketh through dry places seeking rest. He doesn't find any. Verse 44, then he saith, this is the devil again that was cast out, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, this evil spirit, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so it shall be also unto this wicked generation. So uh, it's a parable for this wicked generation. But I, th I think there's something instructive here about how do we make changes? How do we get back on the covenant path, especially if we've departed from it for a long time or, or maybe have done some things that we just, we just don't feel like we measure up or that we're celestial material? Yeah. How do we do it? Well, in, in the case of this here, if we don't then, if it's one thing to sweep out the bad, but then we've got to fill it with good so that when the evil wants to come around again and those temptations come around again or our friends come around again, mm -hmm. We filled it with so much good that there's just no room for the bad or the desire is not there anymore. Yeah. And, and so in the case of this, this young man, he did a lot of sweeping, a lot of cleansing. But here's the thing that I, I just kind of give as a, a, as a caution. When we're making these changes, there is a period of time where it's lonely. Mm. That you don't have friends anymore because the bad friends that you used to have don't like you anymore because you don't want to do the bad things with them anymore. Mm -hmm. 
and then others that uh, know that you used to do those bad things or maybe a little leery and, and maybe they don't trust you yet. Yeah. And, and, and so there's just this lonely period of time where you don't fit in anywhere. Yeah. And so during that time, you've got to put stuff back in your house. You've got to fill your life with good habits to replace any of the bad habits mm -hmm. that you had. Mm -hmm. Any bad thoughts that you used to have, you need to replace them with good thoughts. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so you study, you research, and you... You put back in your house holy things and good habits and, and you serve others and, and you just wade through that difficult time when it's lonely. Yeah. And, and during that time, eventually, you'll start to see friends and, and you'll, start to, you'll start to make that shift back on the covenant path to a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the young man, it was, he was so all in. It was awesome to see, but it was lonely for him because he really didn't fit in anywhere yet. Mm -hmm. And, and eventually he just kind of faded back into old friends and old habits. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know where he's at today. I, I'd like to say and, and hope that, that uh, maybe he's made a comeback and, and has gotten back on the covenant path. But I've just seen it all too often that there's that lonely period of time that's just difficult to navigate through. You've got to fight mm -hmm. through it and fill the house with good stuff. Beautiful. That, that empty home. Uh, it reminds me of President Nelson's invitation to remodel our lives right and, and when he gave us that instruction uh, the, he, he spoke about the renovations that are happening in the Salt Lake Temple right now and the temple's been shut down for a couple years right. now maybe and and uh, he took took us down to the foundations and showed us the cracks in the foundations and and I think about sweeping out and cleaning up the house you know it, it, as, a, as a builder I build homes on the side and anytime there's a remodel to be done it's very messy at the beginning, it is it is tearing things off the walls, tearing walls out. It's dirty. It's not comfortable. It's not a place you want to live in. Um, it's not a place you want to stay in. Though the old home was okay, I can kind of handle it. I can sleep in this place. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, that's us living in sin, right? We, we're just comfortable in it, and it's not where we want to be. But to renovate it requires some mess. It requires us to go through it a little bit, and and then when we get it all swept out. And all the walls are bare, and there's nothing where we want it to be. That's not where you want to live either. Um, and so you don't run out to the to the trash bin and grab all your old cabinets and put it back <laughs> on the wall because it's uncomfortable. Um, if you if you live long enough without doing the work to renovate, to put new in, to replace, you will have to go out and get your cabinets and put them back on the wall because yeah. something's got to fill the space, right? You'll go get your old table and bring it back in and use it again. And, and this parable might in, indicate that you might even go and get other older stuff and bring it in because now you just realize, well, I'm never going to replace it new anyway. May as well get a coffee table. I never had a coffee table. The neighbor just threw one out. I'll go throw it in the room, right? And, and this parable might in, indicate that maybe seven times the wickedness yeah. that we were willing to do before once we, once we are incapable of going through with the remodel we're willing to allow more to come in. Um, and, and it's probably the adversary's way, right? He, yeah. he sees us maybe not quite get where we want to be, and he just calls us a failure. <laughs> we think we're a failure, and so we may as well do more. And uh, and we allow more and more to come in. Um, but, but it's just not the way the Savior would have it. Yeah. Right? In fact, I love one of his titles. He's the author and finisher mm. of our faith. Mm. And so here we are needing to be finished. And, uh, and we can't do it on our own. Mm. And our Savior Jesus Christ comes as we come unto Him and we do our little half push in that right. yoke, right? Yeah. And He meets that with unparalleled power and majesty mm. to heal us, to cleanse us, 
to deliver us from captivity and bondage mm-hmm. and to finish us. Yeah. And, and, and maybe not coincidentally, he was a carpenter too, right? Yeah, well I have, said. I have a builder friend in town who's a massive builder friend, builds hundreds and hundreds of homes a year. And he said that uh, you can have a lot of problems with a house, but if you hire the right finish worker, yeah. he'll hide all the problems. <laughs> and uh, I think the Savior doesn't hide them, he corrects them um, before he does his finishing touches. But that's what a beautiful, what a beautiful parable and a way to think of, of cleaning my house, right? Yeah. Getting it clean and remodeled the way it should be. Brother Edwards, thank you. Um, this has been so instructive and good. We've got through so much. I, I just appreciate your insights. And, and again, as a mentor of mine, I'm just so grateful for who you are in my life. Um, I'm, I'm not going to let you off yet, though. We're, we're going to talk for just a minute about something that I, I think you'll, you'll be able to speak well to. Um, as the Institute Director here at Boise, the Boise Nampa Institute, um, I would love for you to share your vision um, of this valley in particular, um, as we study the analytics of this podcast, we know that there are listeners everywhere in the world. Um, but, uh, but in particular, this valley, you have a, a unique opportunity to invite here, uh, speaking of the 10,000 maybe young adults that are here. But uh, maybe more broadly, uh, Institute as a whole and, and the invitation that, might, that you might extend to those in the far-flung reaches of the, of the country. As you ponder what you'll say there, I'll just share. I, I had a, a state president in New, the New York area reach out uh, a couple weeks back and just mentioned that he knows of a number of uh, young adults in the New York area that are listening to this podcast and, um, and that Institute's blessing their lives. And, and that's something we talk about as we talk about just this podcast in particular and what our purpose is here. And, and uh, we're grateful for that opportunity um, and hopeful that uh, it, it helps you in some small way. But uh, I think there's a bigger message about Institute that could be shared um, because our purpose, as much as it is to help you be converted to the Savior through what we help you understand maybe a little here, is really to, to help you find a place to come and to learn. Yeah. Um, and so speak to that a little bit, if you would. Just what would your invitation be to, to those in our valley, but also out in, out in the world? Yeah, thank you. First of all, we, we would hope our young adults would see themselves as not future leaders of the church, but as today's leaders. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've shared this and mentioned this before, but uh, Elder Teixeira, who spoke recently to our institute students here in our valley, told them that they are the leaders of the church now and the significant part of the gathering of Israel. And so our, our, our hope is that every single young adult, regardless of walks of life, choices that they've made, uh, or choices that they haven't made, we would hope that our institute would be a place of gathering where everyone feels like they belong. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the Savior's invitation to come unto me. He didn't specify. The Book of Mormon's very clear, right? Black, white, bond, free, male, mm-hmm. female, mm-hmm. Uh, whatever anyone would want to identify themselves as. The invitation is the same. Come and belong. And, and so our invitation, our, our hope here at the Institute is that our students would help see themselves, not only that they belong, but our institute students can see themselves as gatherers in the great gathering to bring all young adults to our Savior Jesus Christ. And not just those that have been on the covenant path or used to be on the covenant path, but even those across the streets to the campuses that we're next to, all young adults to come unto Christ and be strengthened in Him. And so we're, we're hopeful that our institutes can be those kinds of blessing centers that people can feel that they belong 
that they can see themselves as gatherers in this great cause to gather people to our Savior Jesus Christ mm -hmm. so that they can be converted and healed. And so that's our hope. That's our invitation. Mm -hmm. Come and belong. Come and help. And come and gather. It's a great work to be a part of, be, be part of, a, you know, at an administrative level. But, but to see the young adults do that on their own um, and to see them have power brought into their lives because they're gathering, because they're the ones inviting. We had a young sister in the YSA State share um, just yesterday at that conference I was at that, that she loves the Institute because she's able to invite her friends over here who are not members of our faith, and just by virtue of seeing the pictures of the Christ on the wall, they can have a conversation. And uh, it's, a, it's a safe and a comfortable environment to be in, uh, maybe get some free food, um, but, uh, but really just it opens doors, it opens opportunities uh, to come and to be here. And there's lots of ways to do that, right? Whether it's a, a dance class that Brother Dougal teaches, or an outdoor gathering class that Brother Diebel teaches, um, the choirs that we have, classes that we offer that are are more than just religiously focused, right? The, the uh, mental health kinds of classes and, and places where uh, we're, we're really here to help and, and wanting to help advance young people and, and strengthen them and be more supportive of, of what their struggles are and what they're going through. Um, I, I just love the opportunity to work at an institute here in the Valley and I'm grateful for it. What would you tell someone who feels like their institute is maybe too far for them to travel to? Um, what, what counsel would you give them about, you know, staying connected and staying plugged into their uh, their, their young single adult ward or stake or whatever yeah. your thoughts are? Yeah, great question. Fortunately, nowadays, because of technology, we have a lot of ways to have institute become more accessible. We're so thrilled to have these young adults in New York. And if you're yeah. listening right now, here's yeah. a here's a high five yeah. to you guys out there. And, <laughs> Wherever you may be, it's, it's always inspiring to see the analytics of literally all over the world and all over the country um, listening to this podcast and so many other uplifting podcasts. And so we hope that they would stay connected to those kinds of content uh, that helps them uh, to do that. I would also say to young adults, if, if, you, if you don't have an, uh, an institute in your area or an institute class in your area, um, talk to your stake president and... Uh, and, and see if there's a way that you can get young adults um, taught uh, by a state called teacher where you can meet once a week. And, and, and if you have to travel a little bit, I think it would be worth traveling. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think there's some real value in that. Yeah, yeah thank you. It, it, it is a blessing. And, and one of our uh, side objectives here in this podcast is to introduce those in our valley to the teachers that are down here. You know, hopefully uh, today, hearing from Brother Edwards how wonderful he is as a teacher just makes you just a little bit more comfortable to come down and take a class from him or me or brother Diebel or whoever's there right we just we hope that uh, by uh, association you might be just a little more comfortable to come down that's an invitation we'd extend to you um, we're, we're trying to put our our name out there in the social media world a little bit more and trying to connect you guys that are listening there um, I know there's a uh, Instagram account now with the Come Follow Him uh, logo and whatnot connected to it. There's a Facebook account. Um, really, our objective is to help you gather, help you be gathered, and uh, and help you be converted to Savior and His gospel. So, however we can do that, we are uh, more than happy to help you do it. So, Brother Edwards, thank you again for coming and being with us. Thank you, Brother Swenson. Great to be with you. We'll look forward to having you again. Thanks. <laughs>